0: Welcome to the Punk Rock Preschool Podcast with your host, Mr. G. For those about to learn, we salute you. Hello, party people. Thank you for joining us today on the Punk Rock Preschool Podcast, where we are changing the world one classroom at a time. That classroom is your classroom. I'm your host, Jared Geller, Mr. G, and we've got a fantastic episode coming back from break. Took a little time off over the summer and a little bit into the fall, but we've got some really special things coming. I've been working really hard on a lot of really great content, a lot of really great activities, resources, videos, everything for the punk rock preschool community, for all of you to make your jobs as teachers that much more exciting. And this episode is right in line with all of that because today we have Ed Lattimore, Ed is so many things. I don't want to just boil him down to an author or a boxer or a motivational public speaker or a Twitter superstar. He's all of those things, of course, but he is also so much more. Ed is just a fantastic type of guy. As soon as you talk to him for just a few minutes, you know you realize that he's just a special person. He has such an incredible story. He has such a fantastic mindset. I actually saw he posted something on Twitter the other day that he said, He practices admitting that he's wrong because it keeps his mind open to learning. Yep, this is the kind of guy that we want to learn from. So everyone, please turn the volume up. Get ready to sit down for an incredible hour of just insight and wisdom and so much more. Ed Lattimore. Hey Ed, I really appreciate you taking the time to join us today. You have such a unique background and such an empowering story and mindset because of where you started from and where you are today. So can you tell us about yourself and tell us about your story?
1: Uh, Sure man, no problem. And once again, thank you for having me. And I'm Ed Lattimore. My story is that right, right now I'm a 33 year old guy about to graduate. With my undergraduate degree in physics, I decided to go back to school at the age of 28 because I didn't like the direction my life was heading for for lots of reasons. I mean, I was I was a heavy drinker, I wasn't really making any progress in any area of my life. I was working for I think I think it was not even I joke and say 12, but I think I'm overshooting. I think I was working for like it was like nine dollars and 28 cent an hour uh, plus commissions which were trash at a T-Mobile and I really didn't have, I did not like where I was at at the age of 28 and I didn't want to be there anymore. So I decided to go back to school and, and as a result to get money to go back to school, I joined the, the national guard of Pennsylvania. So I, so I served there for three and a half, almost four years. Um, and, and I boxed professionally. I've always en- I enjoyed boxing. I started boxing at, at a relatively late age, if not, the, if not a really late age, I started boxing at 23. So I have 10 years in the game. I had a pretty good amateur career, beat some top level guys, had a pretty good, I've had a, a pretty good pro career so far. And I, I look forward to fighting again. I took a year off to, to, to knock out the hardest chunks of my degree. And we're looking to fight again in this upcoming July over New Zealand of all places. So so that, that's that's pretty much me. I got a book out, got another one coming out. I enjoy my life, and I'm really really grateful to be born—not just when I was born, but to take advantage of all the things and all the opportunities that uh, have been given to me. I mean, such as even talking on this podcast with you.
0: Well, we're really happy to have you, man. And I uh, I really love, and we just talked about this before we got on uh, on the actual podcast. But I love how you've got this physics background and physics is already pretty awesome because it's an applied science and you can actually use it in your life but i love how you apply it to life and i saw a tweet from earlier that said that you posted that said no matter how much energy you exert if nothing moves then you've done no work and this obviously holds up with physics but it also holds up for life and measuring your impact in your life so uh, I was wondering if you always come up with like these drops of wisdom while you're working on physics, and is this is really taking that idea of physicality equals mentality to a whole new level because it's actual physics equaling the, equaling the mental part. So I was wa- hoping hoping that you could share some more of these really interesting physics, you know, physics to life parallels and analogies.
1: Well, what I do, and what I, or rather, not what I do, because it's it's already there. I'm just noticing. So I guess what I notice. Is the are the connections between the physical laws in the universe and the way human beings interact, or I guess the social laws of interaction. And you see so many parallels that you, you have to assume that there is some connection, some real connection, and maybe we can't measure it or quantify it yet, but there's some real connection between the physical world and the mental world. Are the physical world and the emotional world? The point the, the physical world and something that we cannot directly touch, but we do have tools to approximate and describe. You know, like the whole if you don't move a thing, then no work is done. That's you know just the equation for work: force applied over distance. But I but I think about these things all the time. Like like one day I realized that. When you know when you have a fraction, as it, the denominator approaches infinity, the output approaches zero. And I was just like, man, that's just like if you you divide your attention, and the more you divide your attention, the less actual attention you have to give to anything. To eventually, you have no attention left to give. Or I think about Newton's third law. You know, for every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. And you can see that in every single social movement. You know one group like right now, you know, we have the liberals and conservatives or the alt right and the alt left or whatever, right? They do one thing and then as a result, the other group does a thing to counter it. And then and then they think they have to turn it up a notch. And so you get into this state of just insane uh outrage. And I don't and here's the crazy part. Uh and by outrage I mean not just in terms of how they express themselves, but how they respond to said expressions of the opposition. So it just gets out of hand. Eventually, we're going to destroy ourselves. I'm, I'm sure of it. But you, you see these things, and 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 they're not all negative. I mean, there's some there's some some cool positive ones too. Like I, I like to think about the way energy how things can't be created or destroyed. They can only be transformed or transferred, which is just another way of stating the first law of thermodynamics. Right. And, and we apply this to like our lives and we realize that if we are dealing with a closed system, like, like if I'm just working on increasing my income, well, I know that I can't create money. You know, people tell you that, but you you can't create money. But what you can do is you can take ideas, you can take life experience, and you can transform or transfer that into like a book. And then the book then sells, and now it comes back as money. And so it's changed how I really see the world. I see the world as just a set of these, these overarching principles and laws, and I try to align myself to benefit. From them,
0: I think that's all pretty awesome, man. There's so much there that that I'm going to write down once I go back and edit over this podcast and just put them <laughs> up, put,
1: put them up on the wall or something because. I actually had a post up for a while. I need to need to update it and redo it and really put even more thought into it because I could just come up with these analogies all day, but I don't like to try and force come up with them because then you end up, you know, going for a reach, but, but there are a lot of, a lot of good ones out there. And if you, if you really, <laughs> if you really learn to see the world is where you're like, wow, I can't believe. It really is is like that, and and you can predict how things are going to turn out more often than not.
0: And and it gives you a sense too of like, of this truth behind it when you've got the laws of physics backing up something like the way you just explained how you can take your life experiences and turn them into something else that then can generate, you know, generate money for you, generate attention, generate whatever you know, just goodwill and and helping other people. Like that's just a really, I think. Putting it through that physics framing makes it an easy concept to wrap your head around, rather than like I'm gonna write a book and I'm gonna do like you're saying. No, I'm taking the things that I've learned, think my experiences, and I am going to transform that into something else. And that's that's based on a law of physics. You can't tell me it's not gonna work. It gives you more confidence, I think, to <laughs> right. to go about doing things like that. Um. So you know, spending some time on your Twitter, it's pretty clear that like your attitude and your willpower are are basically superpowers. You know, you went over where you were five years ago, where you are today, and you don't get there without really cracking down and working hard and, you know, having a vision and having a goal. And you even wrote a book called Not Caring What Other People Think is a Superpower. And with society, school, family, friends, like there are a lot of, there are a lot of things out there that condition us to care about what other people think and to conform and to kind of, you know, join in those, those, mobs that you were talking about with the equal and opposite reaction like people are very much for like jumping into teams whether it's political whether it's just any type of viewpoint the the area for nuance is is disappearing you know it is just uh eroding rapidly so why is this need for approval and a need for being a part of a group and you mentioned like you know we are social social animals but why is this such but it, it's, we're not using it in a way where it's beneficial. Some people are. You are obviously you're using your network fantastically. Why do you think that people are like grouping in this way, needing approval, needing to conform? Why is this such a millstone on our society's neck? And and, and how can how can we start fixing that, especially with young kids and teaching them and raising them to to not have to want to conform and to fall under all this pressure from, you know, relationships and society?
1: Well, you got to remember something. I, I don't think, can, conformity for the most part is amoral. You know, it, it doesn't, you can conform to good things just as you can conform to a bad things or rather good and bad are, are judgments. I will go with a better word or a subjective judgments. I will go to better work, uh, constructive versus deconstructive for one's life. You know, right now we have fallen into a period of deconstruction because there is no such thing as neutrality and equality. And you have to remember that before you discuss anything else. If you can, if you can wrap your head around that, even if you even if you believe the opposite, if you can see the world that way for just a moment, then you can follow everything else that will come. And I think it will explain a lot about the condition of the world. There's no neutrality. You're either moving forward or moving backwards. Once we got to a point, or once I think any society gets to a point where it is easier to do nothing, or rather it is easier to kind of pursue leisure than it is to pursue excellence, then you're going to get a tipping point to where that is what is going to be catered to and then that's what life is going to revolve around. And I give you a clear example. I've been with my girl now for six years ish, right? And when we we met from uh, from OKCupid, and it was still at the time where everyone kind of looked down oddly on on online dating. You know, you were you were still you were you were a bit of a weirdo if you did that, right? Six years later, people don't know how to talk to one another without online dating. They don't know how to use Tinder, without Tinder, without Facebook, without sliding the DMs, right? Because that's easier. So now you got this tipping point of ease. And on top of that, I don't think it's that bad, but it certainly is more difficult. You're a bit of an oddball if you do pursue online. an interaction at the beginning face to face, you know, So it, it takes, it takes a lot of practice and it takes a different, it takes, it takes a certain mentality and mindset to go about it, but we don't have an environment that supports the growth of that mindset, you know? So, so that's just an example. Another one is like with Netflix, I talked to these kids, I tutor, and, and they don't have that. They, they talk to me about shows that I grow with. They can just go and watch whole episodes of them. And I'm like, man, that's so cool, man. You know, we used to have to wait a whole week. And, and you had to tape things. I don't know if you, if you, if you ever, uh, you said you're 27, so you probably never had to tape anything. Oh, I did.
0: S- I used to tape uh, that, trans- <laughs> that uh, Beast Wars, the Transformers show with the animals. Oh, uh, uh, okay. I found a bunch of old tapes of <laughs> that when I was uh, when I was home last time. So, yeah, I know the uh, the – the, what people now call DVR, they, uh, they did but the
1: DVR streaming services, but now there's this ease and that ease has set things moving in the other direction. You know, I was talking about music today and how I was listening to the temptations in this coffee shop around the corner. And I realized how hard it must've been relative to now to create, I heard it through the grapevine. They had to play the instruments, they all had to sing, they had to produce, then it had to be shipped and distributed. There was no internet. So, so for us to hear the temptations, people don't understand how much better the temptations had to be than everyone else around them to, to get heard. Now, you just, you know, you don't have to know how to play music. Computers can create just about every sound. You don't need to worry about distribution. We have Spotify. It's just digital files, you know. So so you don't have to be that good. And that creates this downward spiral. So, so how does that, that apply to, you know, society and this whole conformity thing on, on that aspect? We live in a very easy world. It's super easy. I mean, people get fat. What no fat people... 17 to 1700s. I mean, unless you were really wealthy, but most people weren't that wealthy because they had to work and move and do things. You know, people used to have to worry about getting sick. Now, like, <laughs> like that is you don't worry about that. No one's worried about dying from typhoid and shit. Like, that's not that's not a thing anymore. You know, so so things are super easy. And rather than life getting better, and I really believe this, rather than life getting better, this ease of life has made life more difficult for us in terms of relating and getting along with one another. Because before, you know, I had some beef with you, you had some beef with me. We had a battle, man. We Somebody had to go. Like, now, not so much. And I'm not saying that's right. And I'm not saying it should still be that way. But what I am saying is that we invent problems when we don't have problems. And usually the invented problems are not only real, but they distract from the progress and the development of our society in general, because, you know, when you're dealing with real problems, you unite to deal with them. When you're dealing with fake problems where well, one group comes up with a fake problem, another group comes up with another fake problem. And those fake problems usually don't coincide and they probably have to do with the other groups. So you get this whole infighting that you create because, you know, life is struggle and people forget that you need that struggle. So so there's that. Now, speaking of life being struggle, this leads to the other point that I want to make about equality being a false idea. Remember, no one in history has ever fought to a draw. You know, that's not how it works. You don't go into the battle going, ah, you know what? We, 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 our goal is to just break even. No business has ever been started. You know what the goal, you know, I want to just make the money I spent. No, everyone tries to extend the advantage they get to crush their opponent. In business, for example, your opponent or other businesses. In an ideal world, you take all their businesses. This is such a feature of human nature that we have laws to prevent that. Anti- uh, what are you? Anti-monopoly anti laws. I can't remember what the, the actual word is they use. But the point is we, we have laws in place to prevent that because it's human nature. We don't fight to a draw. There will never be. There will never be. And we've been very close. But in Western society, when everything is allowed to be the way it is allowed to be, or in any society, really, it just depends on who's in power, we're never going to get all groups equal, whether it be gender, race, religion, whatever, right? Because the moment one group thinks it has an advantage, it's going to push that advantage and push its agenda, it's not going to be content. People don't understand that.
0: And that's something that reminds me of in college, I read, uh, I had to read parts of Theory of Justice by John Rawls. Antitrust, that's the word. Yes, antitrust, yeah. So uh, I read read Theory of Justice by John Rawls, and the whole book, you know, it's like a thousand-page book, and it's just talking about how to create an equal society, and it's basically just like laying out, like, whenever one person has a dollar more than the average like we have to figure out a way to, to redistribute that dollar out evenly over everybody so it's like it's a completely dynamic like system that exists second by second constantly monitoring <laughs> and it's like dude why are you even going through this thought experiment like this is a world that one just sounds horrible because uh-huh. nobody's going to ever strive to be great if they know that everything's going to be taken from them to make it a baseline everybody has equal two you can't even measure equality because if i'm really good at you know let's say i'm i'm great at playing the piano and you're great at boxing then how you know how do you gauge those two things? Should I have less piano skills? Should I have more boxing skills should you should it equal at like which one is worth more to society like really that's for society to judge right. that's for markets to judge you can 't have some you know John Rawls in his ivory tower sitting there being like, "Well, you know, I think that." These skills are equal or these skills aren't equal and therefore, you know, this person needs less skills or this person has to spend time teaching the other person this skill until they reach this le- – it's like, man, this is just making my head hurt having to think about these ideas uh, because it's 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 not useful. You can't say – after all that work that he put in, can he say that society would be better in this kind of world? Like, Right. So the thing I want to get back to too is about your book about not caring what other people think is a superpower – because we have all this ease and it's easy to conform, it's easy to be a part of a group, it's easy to not be an individual that might be criticized for having, you know, rogue be having rogue thoughts, being out there doing things that are different than everybody else saying, no, I don't agree with the way that the group think is is moving us and people will, you know, they become demonized people that do that kind of stuff. And so I want to get back to the not caring what other people think is a superpower because how do we give our kids that superpower to not care what other people think in this world that we just described where there's so much pressure and there's so many ideas about what, you know, we need to have equality, we need to have this, we need to have that. And these things are all, you know, in theory, or just, you know, when you don't dive into it like John Rawls did, then it's like, oh, equality, that sounds really nice. <laughs> but like when you get into it, it's like, man, it's really hard to even pin down what that means. And then to say that, like the conversation we're having right now, like if somebody just took a soundbite of it and was like, "Man, these guys don't think equality is a good thing." What's wrong with that? You know, it's hard to have right. even these types of conversations. So, <laughs> how, how do we bring that into play with with the with the next generation? With
1: the next generation, you expose them to so many. You expose them to different things with guidance. You know, we were we were talking about this before the show. One of the greatest strengths of my upbringing is simultaneously its greatest weakness, is that I was not exposed to any type of tradition or any type of of ritual. You know, I wasn't, we didn't go to church. We didn't, you know, voting and politics weren't talked about in my house. Uh, my mom said, you should go to college, but it was more like she didn't really know what that entailed in terms of work ethic and price. You know, she, she may as well have been saying, you know, you go be an astronaut and you'll do it. And and that's great to have, have a mother that tells you, you know, certainly better than you're going to be nothing. But, but there was no, in my upbringing, there was no, there was no guiding force at all for, 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 you know, now better, but at many times worse. And what I think is ideal, because I've seen the other end of the spectrum where kids are told, you know, they're they're told what they're going to study in school or else they're not going to get any help and told who their friends can be. And I'm like, man, that's that's a little rough, too. So what you want is you want guidance, you want protection. I think you want to be parents, but you want to make sure your kids are exposed to ideas. And more importantly, you have to recognize when they are developing clothes. Closed-minded is, is probably the best word that I that I have for it. But you have to be aware of when they are – when they're becoming uh, – n- n- attacking a different point of view without thinking it through. Because I don't think there's anything wrong with harboring a negative or positive view about a thing, right? I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is that to create a better society – Where children, or rather for children of the next generation to be able to think independently on their own, they have to be challenged to think in the first place. I would not have a single problem, you know, if, 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 you know, I had a kid and the kid was like, you know what I think? I think that. That whitey should go back to England. I'm like, or, or something crazy like that, right? Or, or some white kid says to me, you know, I think all black people should go back to Africa. I wouldn't get angry. I go, well, before you tell me the strengths of your, of your position, because you've clearly, you know, quote unquote, thought about it. Tell me the strengths of your opposition's uh, position, which I think is something that Charlie Munger talks about. Is you know do you train children or put forth the energy to develop an opinion? And more importantly, to know the positives of the other opinion, the other side, everyone knows the negatives, but they don't sit and think about the positives. I should be able to, and anything I have a strong opinion on, and there's not many, but anything I have a strong opinion on, I can tell you the positives of the other side. Now I, I don't I don't align with them obviously if I have, if I have a counter opinion but that means I've thought about my opinion and no one trains people to think hard like this anymore and that's what we have to do
0: yeah I totally agree and and that's something that teachers like that's something we have to be really careful of in the classroom like when I was teaching my pre-k class about government and about taxes you know I'm a libertarian so I'm not for taxes or n- none of that stuff but I would tell them like well guys like these taxes that they're there, you pay the government and they'll do certain things for you. Or you could keep your money and do them yourself. And my kids would all be like and I'd be like, Well, who knows what's best for you? Is it and they'd all be like, We do, like we know what's best for ourselves. <laughs> and I'd be like, All right, well like let's I would use an example of mowing the lawn. I'd say, Okay, you could the government's gonna take, you know, ten dollars from all of y'all and they're gonna mow your lawn every month and so you don't even have to mow your lawn. Or you could keep that ten dollars and just mow your lawn yourself. Which would you want? And they're like, I'd rather keep the money and 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 mow the lawn myself. And I'm like, oh man, I don't know how to spend taxes positively anymore. <laughs> like that, you kids are on, <laughs> you kids are onto it too. But I tried, you know, I did my best to be like, look, it's a great thing, like. They'll, you know, all they do is they charge you a little bit and you don't even have to give it to them. They'll just take it right out your paycheck and then they'll do this stuff for you. And they're like, no, that doesn't sound great at all. I'm like, all right, well, I tried. You know, I tried to give you both sides of the story here. I'm not trying to indoctrinate anybody. I want you to make decisions on your own. And so that's something that teachers, we really can do and we really can think about. And instead of coming in, You know, not politics left and right. You know, Democrat Republican, but just politics in terms of like your opinion on things. Try not to bring the politics into the conversation. Say this is right or wrong. Just say here's both sides. Which one do you think is right or wrong? And uh, and you have to be able to advocate for both sides and say, look, this is why the other. This is why. And you don't tell them which side you agree with or not. But like I would say this is why people think this is a great system. And here's why people think that it's not a great system. They'd rather do things on their own. Which one do you guys like better? And I I mean, I probably gave it away with with my tone or whatever, but I tried, I'm telling you, man, I tried. Um, So I guess going off the, you know, caring what other people think, I I was wondering, I had a question here, it was a little later, but I want to ask it now because I forgot I even wrote this out. (laughs) Is uh, Do you feel like, you know, given your background and, and, you know, where you were five years ago, do you feel like, Caring what other people thought of you held you back when you were younger, and and in what ways?
1: Oh, for sure, Ab- absolutely. You know that was one of the things that contributed to my relationship with alcohol. I thought that I, I really wanted to be viewed as this kind of party popular guy for whatever reason. I wanted people to like me, and I didn't I didn't understand enough about myself to know that I I derived much more enjoyment. From being liked the way I'm like now, like people either people either people either respect me or they dislike me. I don't really, and whether they like me or not is not even. Is obviously there? Are, there are some people. At least I hope there are some people who like me. But but I care about being respected. I don't care about being liked or disliked anymore. And I've always naturally leaned towards that. But when you don't know. <laughs> You confuse and I confused like what respect and I wanted to always be in the the center of attention and I wanted to be that God that people just they always wanted to party and I wanted to hold a certain image and and that that led to me drinking and being a certain way. And and I look back on those years and, and obviously there are other issues behind it, but but fitting in. And wanting to be like everyone around me. wanting And wanting the approval of the people around me really kept me from doing and acting in a way that I thought was best for me. It didn't It didn't in all areas. You know, there are some areas I, I really excelled at kind of chucking off the societal expectations and pissing a lot of people off in the process. But... But in other areas, you know, I I definitely – well, here's what I will say. From talking to other people, too, who had issues, whatever their substance of choice was, when it was alcohol, well, talking to people who had who had those issues, a lot of it comes from this desire to fit in. And for whatever reason, you know – I'm not, I'm not about to say that most people are alcoholics. I do think most people drink probably too much. But what I will say is that I think most people who end up at the position where I was in, and this is just me realizing it. We don't even know if they realize it or not, but we'll assume they're at the position. When they get to that position, they get there because they have been following something that is not real. And that is the approval of other people, because that approval evaporates very quickly for all intents and purposes, vanishes. When you do something really stupid under the influence of something that you shouldn't have. that you only got under heavy because you were you were chasing their approval, chasing approval like that is, is this weird, weird snake. And, and you can see it. Not just there, but even in terms of certain relationships you know you you want somebody to really like you and you do things to make them like you that you think is gonna make them like you and then it turns out that because you were doing things specifically to make them like you, that's a turn off to them and it, and it ends up so <laughs> so what what I will say i mean and and pretty much every area i mean from from my, my social life to from my, my romantic life, uh, to for a, a relatively short time, uh, oh, and I say relative to the other problems, that's where a relative comparison comes from, uh, my, my athletic life, I, I definitely was worried a lot about how I would be perceived versus what was best for me. And sometimes the two overlap. This is why I say conformity, approve water. A lot of times it's amoral. I mean, if you' if you're really fortunate, you get around some some great people. like that's one of the things that happened to me growing up. I went to a high school across town, different from the ones different from, completely different from the kids that I grew up with. And because I wanted to fit in with that group, it made me a better human being and a better student. You know, I lost my way a bit, but got back. But that is what I call positive peer pressure in that regard. You know, you can be pushed up or you can be pulled down. It really depends. But if you're going to chase approval, uh, most times it will not be positive. Simply because of the nature of what society deems acceptable and what what society thinks is a is a good way for a person, especially a young male, to behave.
0: Right, and I think that that idea of positive peer pressure is like this. Uh, this I don't know if it's research backed, but you know they say that you're an average of the five people. That you spend the most time with, and I'm actually curious if they if they did some research on it in the social media age, and if you're the average of the five people that you uh, that you retweet the most, or something like that. I'd be really curious. Yeah. Um, and so <laughs> when it comes to school, you know, which that you know that would put you in a in a pretty great position there, influencing people's lives and personalities in that way, and their character more so, not personality, their character. Um, and when it comes to school, you know, teachers are almost always one of those top five people, like. We spend eight hours a day with a the kid. They're awake for another eight hours. So we probably are with them more than parents are in a lot of cases. And so I've been really big on on reading about just like the way that your environment can impact you. I saw you posted something about um, – you got a picture of Mike Tyson on your background on your phone. Oh,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: So I think that, that stuff great. And I actually saw an activity with, with a sponge that you could do with little kids where you fill the sponge up with dirty water and you fill it up with clean water and you tell them like this is what you – you are taking in from your environment. This is what you're absorbing. And if you're taking in negativity and garbage, like when you get squeezed, when you get when you get challenged, that's what's gonna come nice. out. You know? Oh
1: man, that that's really awesome.
0: Yeah, it's a good activity, right? I was like, man, this needs and it was all like I only found it in one place and it was very much like Bible focused. So I had to to tweak I mean I didn't have to tweak it much, but like the whole activity was like bring up this part about you know, about Jesus and bring up this part about redemption. I'm like, this activity is good for any age group. It doesn't need to be in Bible study. Like this thing is awesome because when you get squeezed, when you get challenged, like what's going to come out of you? Are you going to react with frustration, with anger, with yelling? That's if you're taking negativity. And if you're taking the clean, you know, they made a lot of purity analogies here, but I was just like, man, you don't need to make the purity analogy. Just be like clean water. It can represent, Anything it can represent just like health and it can represent, you know, uh, a clear mind and, 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 you know, not being filled with toxins and particle you know, and all this other stuff. So then you, you get squeezed in that, like you're going to be, you're going to release gratitude. You're going to release that, that clear water in response. And so I was wondering if you, one, I thought that you would like that, that activity. Um, and then two, I was just, so I wanted to share it with you, but then I also building on that, like, I was wondering if you had any other tips, like that image on your phone on how to surround yourself with positive goals and positive attitudes so they become what you, what you put out to the world, what you exude to the world?
1: Uh, the first tip I'll, I'll say is, you know, the first thing you want to do, remember, there's no neutrality, is, is a, you got to remember, no company is better than bad company. And a lot of people are not comfortable with this idea of being alone or cutting people off. But if you if you sit and have some soul searching moments with yourself and you go, holy, you know, holy heck, this is this is really not a good environment for me then you have to learn to be able to be separate from that environment. You're not, you're not going to suddenly, you know, people talk about, oh, surround yourself with the average of five people, surround yourself with better people, and they say that like it's an instantaneous process. No, man, like you, you're still a piece of trash. Yo. You got you to earn your stripes to get in that group. In the meantime, the first thing you can do to demonstrate you're worthwhile is stop hanging out. With people who are not going to make you better, that bring negativity and garbage to your life. So that's the first thing I would say. I would say that you need to be alone. (laughs) Get away from from the bad influences. If if you can't, if you don't have the strength to do that, you are never, ever going to be able to surround yourself with good people. Because here's the thing. Momentum is a real is, is, is real. Here we go back to physics. You know, momentum is a very real thing in terms of your behaviors and your actions. Well, and I bring that up because look, if you've spent the past let's just say ten years around people around negative, complaining, you know, overweight, substance abusing human beings, and then you all of a sudden wake up and go, yo, these people are terrible, as you should, and you want to be better. But they still take up most of your free time. You are two one or two things is going to happen. You're either going to be pulled back to the old group because you know they have the greater momentum, they have greater pull on you. They they their influence is in your mind more, you know, or you're going to spend your time arguing and questioning the members of, of the new you know positive group, and they're going to reject you. Because you know they don't they don't need that around. They need they're they're already good. You're the one auditioning for the, for their their time. You know, and this is all abstract. It's not like there's you know the group of negativity. You know the the axis of negativity versus <laughs> the, the axis of positive. You know there, there are these groups. This is just this is an abstract demonstration, right? So so you get you got to get rid of those people. Once you do that. And, and you start to really feel and see what you're about and, and, and start to cleanse yourself, then you, you start putting yourself in the places where your natural strengths are. And this is, this is the, this is really just the process I used when I was, you know, getting sober and I have great friends. I'm not, I'm not saying that my friends are terrible. I have great human beings that are the people who, who uh, I met in high school when I went to that different high school. But one of the things I had to do, because they're, they they socialize a lot with alcohol, I had to step away from it. I don't think I've seen one of my friends. Ooh, it might have been, it was over a year. It may have been two. Uh, not counting, like, you know, like family functions they would invite me to. But yeah, but in but in terms of a pure social group gathering, it's probably probably about a year, over a year, right? Because I I just needed to be in something different, and I had to build a strength up that was unique to me. And then, you know, as, as I become more of who I want to be, you know, more things start to pop up in my world because who I am changes. So the energy I put out into the world changes. And yeah, and people got to be ready for too, is this, when you do that, you're going to ruffle some feathers. There are some people in your life and you don't know it right now and you won't know it until you change, but there are some people in your life who do not or cannot, who do not want you to, to change levels and improve or will not be able to tolerate it. And you will lose those people as friends and support. And it, and, it, and, it's, and it never, it, it it it's never something you, you know, people talk about it all the time. If you, if you scroll to the internet, they're like, oh yeah, man, you know, you get rid of your dead weight friends. Like it's nothing like, nah, man, it, it is not, it's, it is not nothing. It is very much an emotional experience. This is, a, this is a person, uh, or people, depending on your case, who you really felt, was your friend and who was there for you. But, but once you change and other parts of you changed, you realize there were incompatibilities that will not be resolved unless the levels evened out again. And since you're not going to go down and they aren't going to come up, that's it. You know, you move on, you meet new people. That's just, that's just part of the game, you know? So to, to summarize this whole thing, you know, I always like to summarize because I ramble is you have to, Get rid of the negative influences first and and then build up who you want to be. And as you do that, you will naturally assuming you're doing things to develop who you want to be and put yourself in a world that way. You will naturally end up around a higher caliber of human being.
0: For sure. And don't worry about rambling, man. I ramble all the time and the <laughs> audience is very used to it by now. So I, I appreciate I, you, when you go on like that, I, I don't even think like, oh man, he's rambling. I'm just like, okay, okay. I'm just like, follow, <laughs> I'm just following along. I, Cause my, my mind just doesn't, uh, doesn't process that kind of stuff as rambling. It's just like, no man, you're speaking what's on your mind and, and, and you're not filtering it and you're not trying to, you know, you'll summarize it at the end. That's the way to do it. So I appreciate you just being, Candid and uh, and letting it fly as it comes to your head. So oh, thank, thank you, you man. Um, so from from there, you know about finding finding yourself and finding your purpose. Uh, I saw you just had a blog post about this about finding your why and then finding your how. Um, which I guess you, I think you said is a, a Nietzsche quote, but um, regardless, it's you know it, it's on point and it's one of these things where when you find your purpose. And sometimes other there's other distractions or there's other people that make it difficult for you to pursue those things, um, but when you find your purpose, you know what to do. And sometimes you have to be on your own to to do that. So with all the things that, that you're interested in, and you know you've got boxing, you've got the writing and the self help and the mindset stuff, and then you've got the physics degree. Are they all? You know, would you say they are all fitting under that that idea of purpose? Is one more like this is my thing that I've been put on the oh, earth to do?
1: All right, so so here's here's what happened. This is this is a little more insight into the story. So, my mind, my mindset and approach to the world also changed quite a bit over the past five years, especially in the last two, because the two is where I had kind of the most success in a, in an area that I've always been interested in, which is learning how. To do things on the internet, I got a chance to go speak and teach, and and those. Can, and now I have even more opportunities. So, I originally look. All I knew at the time when I decided to go back to school, I knew two things. I knew I couldn't box forever, and I knew that I had zero skills to make more money. And I guess if we want to like add a, a second or our zeroeth thing to that i knew that i was way too intelligent to only be making 12 dollars an hour at 28 at age 28 right so those are the things and i was like we got to fix this now and i thought about the 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 only way i knew how to fix it immediately that would also buy me some time to figure things out and, and make make it look like because i knew this i knew that if if you can show the world you're making moves and doing things, the world is gonna smile on you and give you help where you need it sometimes, and it comes when you least expect it. You know what I, I liken it to, and I got a, I got a few stories of this throughout my my time getting my degree. You ever see the Hunger Games? Mm-hmm. And you know that scene after she gets stung up by the hornets, the the tracker jackers. They uh, all of a sudden she gets the medicine and it's like right when she needs it and she is not expecting it. Right. And you know, it's kind of like that when you are really, really out there doing doing the the work and making your life improve or going after a thing constructively, you're gonna get these random gifts that you're like, wow, that really now they that wasn't that didn't help her with, or rather it helped her win the game, but it wasn't like a cheat to win the game or anything. It was a thing that was there to give her some progress, to make her, her situation easier to show it. Basically it's like the world, the universe is going, okay, man, I know you really been out here busting your ass, man. You, and it's, it's being you down and it looks like you can't continue. I'm here to just give you a little nudge to show you there's a way out to give you a little, little boost. Right. Right. So, so I knew that as long as I was out there putting forth the effort, something would occur, and and I, I chose. I originally was going back for. I wanted to do math because I figured math had no labs, and it, it paid high enough if I got a job, or or at least it opened up the oppor- the possibility of high pay. And and I was worried about the non lab component because I figured I'd have to miss some school. Because I'd, I'd need to work or something or go off and fight or something. But then I, I went and when I was at Fort Lee, I figured that I wanted to do electrical engineering because of what, I, what my MOS in the military was. So the electrical engineers, all engineers have to take physics one and two. And in physics one, I was like, wow, that's really cool. I want to study that. And that, that's what ended up happening. And this was all still part of the plan. You know, I figured I would eventually write a book and and I got around to it. And I was like, wow, you know, people really like my words and and it's growing. And then that opened up the opportunity to go speak places and then that. And then once I, you know, I write the book and I lose a fight. And so I lose my my financial backing and I'm I'm broke and I'm like, what am I going to do? And because I still kept pushing forward, I didn't just sit around licking my wounds. I did whatever I could to work, but by chance conversation and and some of the actions I was taking, I got introduced to tutoring high schoolers. And that pays very well if you know how to do it. And I've learned, and, and I, I do it well. But, I'm, but I'm, I'm happy. I love it. I mean, I get to teach, and I, I get to make enough money to support myself and and chase what's important to me and get free of my time. So all of this kind of came full circle, and now as I graduate, right, and, and then the last year along with tutoring, I moved in to online marketing and learning how that works and and how to make my own things more popular and sell more. And you just, you keep learning and you keep coming across things. My main goal has always been freedom. That's what really frustrated me five years ago is that I was like the complete opposite of free. I was more or less in prison. I remember sitting there or, or rather standing there at my kiosk at T-Mobile. It was like 850. It was cold. And I was like, this really sucks. I'm doing this for what? For after tax, like seven bucks an hour. Uh, I'm smarter than this and better than this. I should not be in prison. So the whole goal was get out of jail. Give yourself options. And I've given myself options. And now that's evolved into a purpose. Because I, I now know, at, the very, at least at the moment, I'm in a unique position with a unique face and a unique brand. And I, I've grown uh, probably bigger than I ever thought I would in terms of my social media influence. And I get a lot of letters, people who write me about the things I write about sobriety and how it's helped me and how I figured things out and some of my articles. So my my motto, my purpose is to, to take what I've learned the hard way and to break it down so that you can learn it the easy way. And that applies to everything, but I guess it all, it all really starts with my... With how I improved my life, how I how I stopped drinking, and the things that went along with that, I really feel passionate about helping people see that they can do that. Because they a man. Because statistically speaking, from where I was at at 28 to even go back further to where I was born and spent the first 18 years of my life, if if I can make a respectable life for myself, then anyone can and i really want people to see that i want them to believe in themselves and i think you've
0: done that today man i think you've let people see that and you have pulled down these really great ideas and experiences and made them simple and digestible for people and i mean i'm always inspired literally every time you say that when you were 28 you know you were in this position where you felt like you were in prison and now five years later You know, look what can happen in five years. It doesn't have to be like, man, I didn't get the start right out of college. I didn't get the start right out of high school. Like, you can do this whenever if you just dedicate yourself, dedicate your time, your focus. Like, there's nothing that's and and, you know just believe in yourself. Um, And I think people believe seeing your story and believing in you helps people believe in themselves too. I mean, that's been my experience. You know, I love I love what you do, and I think that you know, I mean, if you would have done this from twenty three to twenty eight. It still would be inspiring, but for it's it's
1: awesome. But, you know? <laughs> I always say to people, and I really just happen to choose this, and how I look at it, I always say to people that that when I was thinking back on this, and I was, I was like, look, man, I'm gonna turn thirty three no matter what. This is, I mean, I just happened to choose that age, and well, it didn't make sense because if I had moved at pace. I would have finished at 32. You know, I'm gonna turn 33 regardless. Am I gonna turn 33 with more options, or am I gonna turn 33 still hating myself uh, for 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 juggling between? You know, do I need do I need 40 hours this week, or do I need to go drink at the bar to blow off some steam? So, uh, you know, you can do whatever you whatever you put your mind to, and I hope people can look at my life and see that. And believe it. I mean, because at the end of the day, I was talking to somebody else about this, because you know, there's always for every movement, there's a counter movement, and for everybody springing up talking about mindset and improving your life and self improvement, there is this this equally vocal group on, on on social media talking about oh, mindset is trash. You know, it's not that easy. You can't, you know. Self-improvement, mumbo-jumbo nonsense. At the end of the day, I'm the real deal. You can dig me up. There's there's story. I'm looking at the – right now I, I got a little wall, a shrine of things that I've accomplished and building. And one of the things is my face on a city paper the Pittsburgh city paper where I'm talking about my story and everything. And, and you can Google and dig, you know, it works for me. I'm the real deal, man. So, so whatever yours, your stance is, you know, you take your stance and shove it because all you got to do is do a few Google searches and you can see I'm legit. And that, that keeps quite a bit of people <laughs> away from even engaging with me because, because look, because when, when you're, and this is just a, a side note if you, you want to, if you say your audience doesn't mind the rambling when, um, uh, when you engage the world with your legitimate face and your legitimate story, then I have taken. There is no attacking me. You know what I mean? You know, if you're anonymous, then why are you anonymous, right? I can attack you. If if I really wanted to put forth the resources and energy, you know, I just hire a few skip tracers, and then the game changes, right? Your your weapon. Your, 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 are your your defense and I put defense in air quotes is now completely gone. You are no longer protected. Meanwhile, my strength is that I was never protected. You can go look up everything from from who from where I grew up to me getting knocked out on TV and you can't use it against me because it's already there. you ever see eight mile? Uh, and, and at the end of eight mile he says here tell these people something they don't know about me right. after he, after he lists all of his right that's exactly how i position myself and it really it, you know i think i think it makes people trust what i say and that's what i want people to do i mean because i'm not i have zero incentive. People don't understand. I mean, I if you buy the if you buy the the Kindle version, I get six bucks on that royalty. I, it's not like I'm getting paid big money out here to to be and do who I am. But I'm just being who I am, and I want to help people in that regard to see that they can do the same thing.
0: And I think that authenticity is a you know is a big thing that society just doesn't have right now. So the more people that are out there doing the things that you're doing, being authentic, being true to, true to yourself, like. It's just respectable, you know. People don't. People, uh, you know, they do hide behind and, and and I always I can never pronounce this word and not anonymity. Anonymity. There we go. I think I got it there. Uh, I can. I always stumble over it. Um, but yeah, man, that authenticity, like that's that's what what drew me to you in the first place is like, man, this guy is out here. He is living proof of the things that he's talking about. He's not out here talking, um, you know, just talking a bunch of nonsense or or you know, not being able to back it up and
1: so. So, like, you know, if you if you go dig through my tweets and my writings, perhaps you'll find. Well, no, you're not gonna find anything that I that I outright, you know, disagree, disavow, to something. You will find some thoughts, perhaps, that I have since uh, modified my stance on. That I that for whatever reason I I didn't delete because I thought they were good tweets, whatever. If when you do that, when your mind changes, people love to hold that against you, which which I find hilarious. Right. Right. But the the last thing you ever want to do to everyone listening, the last thing you ever want to do is apologize for a thought you had. Don't apologize now. Now, if you go and you say something just factually incorrect, sure. If you are egregiously offensive and you come your ways, I mean, when, when I say egregiously offensive, I'm talking like. Edward Norton in American History X offensive. <laughs> you know how at the end where he like, he, you know, he goes to prison and then he changes his whole mind about everything. Right. Yeah. That's where you right. want to be. So, but other than that, you know, you got to own it because they will, they will, they don't, they don't uh, take kindly to apologies and you think they would, you know, which is, which is wild.
0: I mean, it depends. It depends if it's a genuine apology, like not like that, like what happened with Joy Reid recently, where they dug up all these old posts of her, you know, saying that all these homophobic things. And she's like, no, first she's saying that they were hackers and they were time traveling hackers and all this stuff. And then she's like, well, I don't believe that I wrote this. But like, if you think I did, I apologize. It's like, all right, well, people are going to drag you. Right. The like, no, nah, man, you know, just, look. just every own it
1: every single time it's like you know between like that and uh, the most recent one you know a lot of us were interested in seeing how tony robbins was going to handle right that situation every single time they do it incorrectly because because you know what here's what i think i think they can smell weakness man like i really <laughs> chance the rapper dude
0: that chance the rapper thing i couldn't believe it yeah. he didn't even apologize <laughs> but he like he was like I shouldn't have said this when I said it. It's like, man, you can say whatever you want whenever you want. Like you don't have to cave to the to the mob, you know? Whatever your thoughts are, like he still thinks what he said, you know? He just was like I shouldn't have said it at the time. I'm like, "Man, yeah, the people smell weakness though, you know? They'll they will go after it."
1: Yeah, and and it, it it's it's really, you know, because, you know, I don't know how how long you've been you've been uh following me. But last almost wow, a year ago, almost to the day, last last May, I spoke at this conference and and my speech was fantastic. It was about it was about dealing with fear and overcoming fear. And somebody who was, I guess, an enemy of the guy who was putting on the conference, went and dug through my tweets and found me talking about the red pill. And you got to understand something about me. I don't. I mean, I don't want to say I don't give a damn because that's not one hundred percent true. But anything I put out there, I'm like, like I'm telling you, I'm gonna stand by. So I said, look, we can talk and see what you disagree with, and I can clarify. But you're not gonna get an apology from me for mentioning the red pill. That's not gonna happen. And every now and then, somebody like like I had an interview posted in the Daily Stoic, and and a lot of people, you know, read me from the Daily, read the Daily Stoic, so they found out about me. And some some girl wrote an email. And said, you know, I really like your website, but I just can't buy your book because I saw some of your posts about the red pill. And I was like, you know, I'm sorry that you feel that way. If you want to talk about it, we can talk. But, you know, other than that, good luck. And that's what I said back to her. Right. Uh, because, because like, you we're allowed to have different opinions. We're allowed to think differently. This goes back to what we were saying at the beginning of the podcast. You can think differently, but they don't even want to engage. And this has happened multiple times. I invite someone to have a one-on-one discussion with me and either via the DMS or Skype, they don't want to do it. And I think a lot of it comes down to the fear that I may present a rational argument that they can't, they can't yell back to and gather support. I mean, that's probably really the second. The second part is probably the biggest reason mm-hmm. is that without an audience and a bunch of people yelling and, and chiming in to kind of distract me to, to deal with you know multiple notifications, we can't. They don't want to have that conversation. But uh, yeah, it, it's really it, it's really a shame that people feel like. But but I get it, you know, you, you feel like you got the pressure. But they, but that's one of those things that I avoided, you know. I I learned very early on, is is as a kid that you know saying sorry don't help, man. They just they just gonna beat you, <laughs> they just gonna beat you down even more. Right. So so you just gotta fight. And, and it's funny how that mentality has has ported itself over now into the twenty first century. 'Cause what I grew up with at twenty no, it's still twenty four. Um, no, twentieth to 24th century, Right. Funny how that works, you know, century chains. Uh how how it was ported over and and it works out, it works just the same is that when they when they see you retreating, they don't pull up. They go, Oh, he's exposed the juggler. Now we can really bite into it.
0: Yeah, that's that's exactly what happens. People and they uh they will jump at any opportunity to like get I think, you know. President Trump, you know, love him or hate him, he wrote in Art of the Deal—I believe it was Art of the Deal, one of his other books—he wrote this 25 years ago saying, if you can get the media to think that you will apologize, they will go crazy. They will see red, and they will come after you and give you all the attention that you want. So he used to use this in his business, promoting his hotels— and promoting the apprentice is that he would say something and the media would think, we can get him to apologize. If we can get him to apologize, do, you know, do you disavow? Do you disavow? How many times we hear that? Uh, you know, in 2015, 2016. And it's like, this is a strategy that goes back forever. Where like he literally wrote it. That's what made me laugh because it was like, if y'all just read his book, you you wouldn't you wouldn't, you know, get tricked up by him so bad. But his book, he straight up says, if If you want people's attention, if you want people to to listen to you, make them think that that you have to apologize for something. Say something that they think they—if they pressure you enough, if they go crazy enough, they—that you will apologize, and that's all they want. They'll go crazy for an apology. <laughs> and it's like, man, <laughs> well, you lived. You know, again, there's there's another example. The proof is in the pudding, right there. You know, you lived that. <laughs> he lived that. You could see it. You know, it been on the news twenty four seven for the past three years. That 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 philosophy holds up. And I don't know what it is about people that that makes them so crazy for. You know, getting people to walk back their statements, um,
1: but it just goes oh, to the, you, just goes to the fact it's you got to be authentic. Way to control, man. It's yeah. uh, and and that's one more reason, right? I I don't give anonymous accounts that much that much guff, man, because because I get it. I mean, you can't you can't be me because me, I have set my life up more or less, uh no one's ever going to hire me or if they hire me, they're not going to hire me to be an employee. And I don't, I don't want to be an employee. So my whole mentality is different. And because of what I'm building, I have to put my face up there. I have to be me. I have to be open. Right. But that's what I'm building. Right. And and I want to serve as kind of an inspiration to people, but I understand too, Man, not everyone's trying to build what I'm trying to build, man. Some people really do have to kind of play, play, and uh, play nice with the thought police. I get that, so I don't give them that much guff. I don't, I don't, I don't even give them guff at all anymore. You know, now I have a big issue with people hiding behind an uh a non-enemy. Uh, You're right; that is a hard word to yeah, say. Yeah, it's tough, right? <laughs> an There we go. I have a hard time with people hiding behind an to justify any type of personal attack on a person who it does not provoke it. That bugs me. But other than that, nah man, you, you let me let me take the heat. You know, I had all types of people because this was in the tech the tech space that that uh conference, I had all kinds of guys writing me talking about how fed up they were with a lot of the tech policies and how, you know, basically guys, specifically white gods, were, were effectively you know, pushed out, undermined, or, or policies were written in, or put in place to make sure they couldn't advance and do well at the expense of, you know, to make sure that there was diversity for diversity's sake. And on all of these ideas, I don't, I don't have an opinion on because I've kind of put myself in a position to not have an opinion on them. But I do have an opinion about people feeling like they need a voice. And I think that is one of the things that we as non-anonymous accounts get to give to people who look up to us. If, if they look up to us and they see us behave and think a certain way, they get they, that's like us winning. Someone said that to me one day. And it's like That's like, like when you win, it's like we win. I'm like, I mean, I don't, I don't get it, but I appreciate it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because i you know i can take the so i can deal with somebody you know you, you can't dox me i mean shit i a lot of times i have my location marker on down to the uh the, the latitude and longitude i mean what are you what do you want you you can't do you can't dox me in any way that won't put you in prison you know you can't right. if, you, if you steal my credit card information sure but you're going to jail for that you know right and i think that the the inspiration is
0: there for being yourself and that's that's the whole point of of this podcast for teachers is be yourself in the classroom teach the things you love you don't have to conform and subscribe to the curriculum that you're provided you know you don't have to teach farm animals and you don't have to teach you know a unit on bats or a unit on you know vegetables like make it holistic make it do whatever you want if you want to teach those things great do it you know but if you if you don't be yourself and don't don't worry so much about the pushback because what's going to happen is your parents are going to appreciate it. Your kids are going to learn. And that's ultimately what matters. You know, you, you can have an administrator come in and be like, Oh, well we, you know, we dug up this old lesson plan of yours. You taught this thing. It wasn't on the, you know, it wasn't on the state mandated thing. It's like, Go talk to this. What I would tell them I'd say, Go talk to my parents. Uh Go talk to my (laughs) kids. Ask them if they're happy with the job that I'm doing. Because if they're not happy, I will make changes. Believe me, I'm not going to do it at the expense of of their satisfaction. But if they are happy and they're saying, Wow, Mr. G is doing an awesome job. You know, my kids are learning amazing things. Like, don't tell him what to teach or what he can or can't teach. Like, that's what they're going to say. So. Go talk to the people that it matters to, the people that have skin in the game, the people that are actually you know, affected by these things and that are out there in the, you know, in the open. They're not some anonymous bureaucrat you know, in education or they're not some just anonymous person on the internet. So that idea of being yourself, like, it is inspiring no matter where you are, no matter what job you're doing. Find ways to inject your personality, who you are, your values, your purpose into that because otherwise you're going to be unhappy in that work. Very much so. so, Like that's 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 the big thing. Like the the ultimate reason you know why we are authentic and why we're out there is because like the alternative is I mean it's not the ultimate reason but it's a big reason is the alternative is just unimaginable is like hiding behind some anonymous account or hiding you know hiding our views because of you know being scared that people aren't gonna aren't gonna like them or respond the right way. It's like the people that will are the ones that 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 need to hear it and the ones that appreciate it and that's that's what it's about. I can't worry about trying to please the whole world. It's never going to happen. Um you could be the most uh sterile, you know, cookie cutter type of person. You're still not going to please the whole world. So you might as well be yourself 100% and and see exactly, what happens. Exactly,
1: man. You 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 get it. <laughs> that's there's no other way.
0: It's uh yeah well it's good to be in a in good company like that so Ed this has been a great conversation and I know we've kind of like gotten off of like the structure of the interview but that's fine by me because I like riffing a lot better than than you know I want to get make sure I ask you the great questions so you can tell us about the things that you've done and, and all those awesome things but I also just love having being able to to go off for a half hour and just have a good conversation about things so could you just you know could you tell everybody where they can find you and, and you know
1: what you have in the work? you can find me. At my website, EdLattimore.com. My Twitter is edlattimore. Those are the two places I'm most active. My Facebook uh, is Ed Lattimore Boxer. That's my fan page. And I feel like there's some something else I'm missing. Email oh, list. Right. Oh, e- you're right. You know, you come to the to the website, sign up for the email list. Come on in, check it out. There's there's a lot of good stuff. I really I really enjoy, and I'm very grateful for every single person. Who interacts with me, so come on and interact with me.
0: <laughs> Perfect, and I'll link to your books too, because uh, you got two books, right? If I'm not mistaken, I think I saw two on your website.
1: Uh, yes. I yes, I I have, I have the um, I'm not caring what other people think is a superpower. That's the main one, and then I also have the four confidences, which is a, a PDF that you can download and check out, and then another one coming out soon will be my, um, my book about sobriety. I've r- written about my sobriety and what, what I think people can get from it, and I just I want people to get a lot out of it. That's awesome. You're
0: doing important work, Ed, and you know I, I really hope everybody goes out and, and buys your book and follows you on Twitter and engages with you because, because you're easy to engage with, and, and you're out there looking to help, and that's where your passion is. So I really appreciate you coming on, Ed. It's been a, a great conversation, and uh, I can't wait to get this episode up for, for the audience.
1: All right, man. Thank you. And you enjoy your day, man.
0: You too, brother. Well, thank you for listening. I hope you are one step closer to making the classroom of your dreams come true. Please follow Ed on social media, on Twitter, go to his website, subscribe to his email list. I will leave all the links in the show notes. And please follow us on social media as well. It's at Twitter. I changed the handle, it's at Punk Rock Jared now and find us on facebook please subscribe to the podcast and subscribe to the email list leave comments leave reviews i know that's a lot to do focus on ed first and then if you guys want if you haven't subscribed already please please do that would be very very helpful and we will look forward to seeing you next time until then keep rocking